You're listening to The Ancient Tradition. A Wonk Media Production. Music provided by Joseph McDade. Here's your host, Dr. Jack Logan. Welcome to The Ancient Tradition. I'm your host, Jack Logan. In this podcast, Audio Writ, you'll find recordings of ancient and modern writings that are directly relevant to the ancient tradition, which refers to the first religious tradition imparted to human beings in the beginning. On this platform, you can find an entire podcast dedicated to trying to reconstruct that first religious tradition from all of the evidence that we can find in the historical record. If you haven't given it a listen, just search for The Ancient Tradition Podcast or visit our website, theancienttradition.com. Today's audio recording is the Osiris myth. The Osiris myth was one of the most prominent and influential myths in ancient Egypt, and it played a central role in shaping religious beliefs, funerary practices, and kingship. It permeated virtually every aspect of ancient Egyptian life. And unlike many of the myths that we've covered on this program, there isn't a single manuscript that encapsulates the entire myth. Instead, we find fragments of the myth scattered across a number of different sources, including the pyramid texts, coffin texts, and the Book of the Dead. In the early 1900s, Scottish journalist and folklorist Donald Alexander Mackenzie consolidated the scattered elements of the myth into a unified historical narrative. It's that narrative that constitutes today's audio recording. In the myth, the god Set, jealous of his brother Osiris' kingship over Egypt, concocts a cunning plan to kill him. At a grand royal feast, Set unveils an exquisitely ordained chest, declaring that the one who perfectly fits its dimensions shall claim it as a prize. One by one, the guests lie in the chest, but none succeed until the benevolent King Osiris lies within, fitting the chest flawlessly. Seizing the moment, Set's malevolent followers spring up, ruthlessly nailing the chest shut, tragically suffocating Osiris. Set secretly commands his followers to dump the coffin into the Nile River. Isis, Osiris's queen consort, devastated by the loss, tirelessly searches the riverbank for any trace of the chest or her beloved's remains. The Osiris Myth When Osiris was born, a voice from out of the heavens proclaimed, Now hath come the Lord of all things. The wise man Pamelis had knowledge of the tidings in the holy place of Thebes, and he uttered a cry of gladness and told the people that a good and wise king had appeared among them. When Ra grew old and ascended unto heaven, Osiris sat in his throne and ruled over the land of Egypt. Men were but savages when he first came among them. They hunted wild animals. They wandered in broken tribes hither and thither, up and down the valley and among the mountains. And the tribes contended fiercely in battle. Evil were their ways, and their desires were sinful. Osiris ushered in a new age. He made good and binding laws. He uttered just decrees, and he judged with wisdom between men. He caused peace to prevail at length over all the land of Egypt. Isis was the queen consort of Osiris, and she was a woman of exceeding great wisdom. 
Perceiving the need of mankind, she gathered the ears of barley and wheat, which she found growing wild, and these she gave unto the king. Then Osiris taught men to break up the land which had been under flood, to sow the seed and in due season to reap the harvest. He instructed them also how to grind corn and knead flour and meal, so that they might have food in plenty. By the wise ruler was the vine trained upon poles, and he cultivated fruit trees and caused the fruit to be gathered. A father was he unto his people, and he taught them to worship the gods, to erect temples, and to live holy lives. The hand of man was no longer lifted against his brother. There was prosperity in the land of Egypt in the days of Osiris the Good. When the king perceived the excellent works which he had accomplished in Egypt, he went forth to traverse the whole world with purpose to teach wisdom unto all men and prevail upon them to abandon their evil ways. Not by battle conquest did he achieve his triumphs, but by reason of gentle and persuasive speech and by music and song. Peace followed in his footsteps, and men learned wisdom from his lips. Isis reigned over the land of Egypt until his return. She was stronger than Set, who regarded with jealous eyes the good works of his brother, for his heart was full of evil, and he loved warfare better than peace. He desired to stir up rebellion in the kingdom. The queen frustrated his wicked designs. He sought in vain to prevail in battle against her, so he plotted to overcome Osiris by guile. His followers were seventy and two men who were subjects of the dusky queen of Ethiopia. When Osiris returned from his mission, there was great rejoicing in the land. A royal feast was held, and Set came to make merry, and with him were his fellow conspirators. He brought a shapely and decorated chest, which he had caused to be made according to the measurements of the king's body. All men praised it at the feast, admiring its beauty, and many desired greatly to possess it. When hearts were made glad with beer drinking, Set proclaimed that he would gift the chest unto him whose body fitted its proportions with exactness. There was no suspicion of evil design among the faithful subjects of Osiris. The guests spoke lightly, uttering jests one against another, and all were eager to make trial as Set had desired. So it happened that one after another entered the chest on that fateful night, until it seemed that no man could be found to win it for himself. Then Osiris came forward. He lay down within the chest and he filled it in every part. But dearly was his triumph won in that dark hour, which was his hour of doom. Ere he could raise his body, and the evil followers of Set sprang suddenly forward and shut down the lid, and they nailed it fast and soldered it with lead. So the richly decorated chest became the coffin of the good King Osiris, from whom departed the breath of life. The feast was broken up in confusion. Merrymaking ended in sorrow, and blood flowed after that instead of beer. Set commanded his followers to carry away the chest and dispose of it secretly. As he bade them, so did they do. They hastened through the night and flung it into the Nile. 
The current bored away in the darkness, and when morning came, it reached the great ocean and was driven hither and thither, tossing among the waves. So ended the days of Osiris and the years of his wise and prosperous reign in the land of Egypt. When the grievous tidings were borne unto Isis, she was stricken with great sorrow and refused to be comforted. She wept bitter tears and cried aloud. Then she uttered a binding vow, cut off a lock of her shining hair, and put on the garments of mourning. Thereafter, the widowed queen wandered up and down the land, seeking for the body of Osiris. Nor would she rest nor stay until she found what she sought. She questioned each one she encountered, and one after another they answered her without knowledge. Long she made search in vain, but at length she was told by shoreland children that they had beheld the chest floating down the Nile and entering the sea by the Delta Mouth, which takes its name from the city of Tanis. Meanwhile, Set, the usurper, ascended the throne of Osiris and reigned over the land of Egypt. Men were wronged and despoiled of their possessions. Tyranny prevailed and great disorder, and the followers of Osiris suffered persecution. The good queen Isis became a fugitive in the kingdom, and she sought concealment from her enemies in the swamps and deep jungle of the delta. Seven scorpions followed her, and these were her protectors. Ra, looking down from heaven, was moved to pity because of her sore distress, and he sent to her aid Anubis, the opener of the ways, who was the son of Osiris and Nephthys, and he became her guide. One day, Isis sought shelter at the house of a poor woman, who was stricken with such great fear that she beheld the fearsome scorpions that she closed the door against the wandering queen. But a scorpion gained entrance and bit her child so that he died. Then loud and long were the lamentations of the stricken mother. The heart of Isis was touched with pity, and she uttered magical words, which caused the child to come to life again. And the woman ministered unto the queen with gratitude while she remained in the house. Then Isis gave birth unto her son, Horus. But Set came to know where the mother and babe were concealed, and he made them prisoners in the house. It was his desire to put Horus to death, lest he should become his enemy and the claimant of the throne of Osiris. But wise Thoth came out of heaven and gave warning unto Isis, and she fled with her child into the night. She took refuge in Beutu, where she gave Horus into the keeping of Uazit, the virgin goddess of the city who was a serpent, so that he might have protection against the jealous wrath of Set, his wicked uncle, while she went forth to search for the body of Osiris. But one day, when she came to gaze upon the child, she found him lying dead. A scorpion had bitten him, nor was it in her power to restore him to life. In her bitter grief, she called upon the great god Ra. Her voice ascended to high heaven, and the sunboat was stayed in its course. Then, wise Thoth came down to give aid. He worked a mighty spell. He spoke magical words over the child Horus, who was immediately restored to life again. 
It was the will of the gods that he should grow into strong manhood and then smite his father's slayer. The coffin of Osiris was driven by the waves to Byblos in Syria, and it was cast upon the shore. A sacred tree sprang up and grew round it, and the body of the dead ruler was enclosed in its great trunk. The king of that alien land marveled greatly at the wonderful tree, because that it had such rapid growth, and he gave command that it should be cut down. As he desired, so it was done. Then was the trunk erected in his house as a sacred pillar, but to no man was given knowledge of the secret which it contained. A revelation came into Isis, and she set out towards Byblos in a ship. When she reached the Syrian coast, she went ashore clad in common raiment, and she sat beside a well, weeping bitterly. Women came to draw water, and they spoke to her with pity. But Isis answered not, nor ceased to grieve, until the handmaidens of the queen drew nigh. Unto them she gave kindly greetings. When they had spoken gently unto her, she braided their hair, and to each lock she breathed sweet and alluring perfume. So it chanced that when the maidens returned into the king's house, the queen smelt the perfume and commanded that the strange woman should be brought before her. Then it was that Isis found favor in the eyes of the queen, who chose her to be the foster mother of the royal babe. But Isis refused to suckle the child, and to silence his cries for milk, she put her finger into his mouth. When night came, she caused fire to burn away his flesh, and she took the form of a swallow and flew, uttering broken cries of sorrow, round about the sacred pillar which contained the body of Osiris. It chanced that the queen came nigh and beheld her babe in the flames. She immediately plucked him forth, but although she rescued his body, she caused him to be denied immortality. Isis again assumed her wanted form, and she confessed unto the queen who she was. Then she asked the king that the sacred pillar be given unto her. The boon was granted, and she cut deep into the trunk and took forth the chest which was concealed therein. Embracing it tenderly, she uttered cries of lamentation that were so bitter and keen that the royal babe died with terror. Then she consecrated the sacred pillar, which she wrapped in linen and anointed with myrrh. And it was afterwards placed in a temple which the king caused to be erected to Isis. And for long centuries it was worshipped by the people of Byblos. The coffin of Osiris was borne to the ship in which the queen goddess had sailed unto Syria. Then she went aboard and took with her Maneros, the king's firstborn, and put forth to sea. The ship sped on and the land faded from sight. Isis yearned to behold once again the face of her dead husband, and she opened the chest and kissed passionately his cold lips, while tears streamed from her eyes. Maneros, son of the king of Byblos, came stealthily behind her, wondering what secret the chest contained. Isis looked round her with anger. Her bright eyes blinded him, and he fell back dead into the sea. When Isis reached the land of Egypt, she concealed the body of the dead king in a secret place and hastened towards the city of Buto to embrace her son Horus. But short-lived was her triumph. 
It chanced that Set came hunting the boar at full moon in the Delta jungle, and he found the chest which Isis had taken from Syria. He caused it to be opened, and the body of Osiris was taken forth and rent into fourteen pieces, which he cast into the Nile, so that the crocodiles might devour him. But these reptiles had fear of Isis and touched them not, and they were scattered along the river banks. A fish swallowed the phallus. The heart of Isis was filled with grief when she came to know what Set had done. She had made for herself a papyrus boat and sailed up and down the delta waters, searching for the fragments of her husband's body, and at length she recovered them all, save the part which had been swallowed by the fish. She buried the fragments where they were found, and for each she made a tomb. In after days, temples were erected over the tombs, and in these Osiris was worshipped by the people for long centuries. Set continued to rule over Egypt, and he persecuted the followers of Osiris and Isis in the Delta swamps and along the seacoast to the north. But Horus, who was rightful king, grew into strong manhood. He prepared for the coming conflict and became a strong and brave warrior. Among his followers were cunning workers in the metal, who were called mezanu or smiths, and bright and keen were their weapons of war. The sunhawk was blazoned on their battle banners. One night there appeared to Horus in a dream a vision of his father Osiris. The ghost urged him to overthrow Set, by whom he had been so treacherously put to death and Horus vowed to drive his wicked uncle and all his followers out of the land of Egypt. So he gathered his army together and went forth to battle. Set came against him at Edfu and slew many of his followers. But Horus secured the aid of the tribes that remained faithful to Osiris and Isis, and Set was again attacked and driven towards the eastern frontier. The usurper uttered a great cry of relief when he was forced to take flight. He rested at Zaru, and there was the last battle fought. It was waged for many days, and Horus lost an eye. But Set was still more grievously wounded, and he was at length driven with his army out of the kingdom. It is told that the god Thoth descended out of heaven and healed the wounds of Horus and Set. Then the slayer of Osiris appeared before the divine council and claimed the throne. But the gods gave judgment that Horus was the rightful king, and he established his power in the land of Egypt and became a wise and strong ruler like to his father Osiris. Another version of the legend relates that when the fragments of the body of Osiris were recovered from the Nile, Isis and Nephthys lamented over them, weeping bitterly. In one of the temple chants, Isis exclaims, quote, gods, and men before the face of the gods are weeping for thee at the time when they beheld me. Lo, I invoke thee with wailing that reached high as heaven, yet thou hearest not my voice. Lo, I, thy sister, I love thee more than all the earth, and thou lovest not another as thou dost thy sister. Nephti cries, subdue every sorrow which is in the hearts of thy sisters, live before us desiring to behold thee. The lamentations of the goddesses were heard by Ra. 
and he sent down from heaven the god Anubis, who, with the assistance of Thoth and Horus, united the severed portions of the body of Osiris, which they wrapped in linen bandages. Thus had origin the mummy form of the god. Then the winged Isis hovered over the body, and the air from her wings entered the nostrils of Osiris, so that he was imbued with life once again. He afterwards became the judge and king of the dead. Egyptian burial rites were based upon this legend. At the ceremony enacted in the tomb chapel, two female relatives of the deceased took the parts of Isis and Nephthys and recited magical formulas so that the dead might be imbued with vitality and enabled to pass to the judgment hall and paradise. That concludes the Osiris myth. I hope you enjoyed this audio recording. The Osiris myth is one of the most important myths in the ancient world, and it plays a very important role in our sister podcast, where we dive into comparative religion and share with you the amazing, even mind-boggling parallels between religious traditions. I highly recommend checking it out. Just search for the Ancient Tradition Podcast. That wraps up this edition of Audio Writ. Remember, in the words of William Shakespeare, knowledge is the wing wherewith we fly to heaven. I'm Jack Logan. You've been listening to The Ancient Tradition, a Wonk Media production.